Hello, what's up? It's Aiden Jones here. You're listening to Sitting Under a Tree for Tuesday, the 22nd of December, 2020. Ha ha ha, saved it. God, I can't I can't seem to nail down the pronunciation of this year and it's almost over. <clears throat> How are you guys doing? Thanks for listening. Thanks for coming through. I'm feeling pretty good. I'm at my mum's house in Adelaide. Um, my girlfriend uh, is in the kitchen on her laptop and my other friend who's visiting with us is there as well. Um, me and my girlfriend drove down from Adelaide, from Adelaide, from Melbourne, um, on Thursday, we stopped in Bendigo, I did a gig at, uh, Handlebar in Bendigo, which was sick, stopped in at my cousin's place, saw my cousins, um, or, like, hung out with him and his wife, and he's got two kids, and it was cool, man, I haven't been around kids in, in ages, not since the court order, nah, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> How funny that to me that's like a trite joke that I would just make because it seems obvious, but actually it's, <laughs> it's the joke there is that like I would be a pedophile. <laughs> that's fucked. Anyway, um, there's been no court order. <laughs> so, what? I don't want to make that joke. I want to make that joke. I don't like it. I saw my cousin's two kids and they were lovely. <laughs> I got to hang out. With them, I, I, yeah, I haven't hung out. <laughs> um, I haven't hung out with um, kids in ages. You know, I just no one in my. That's just not a part of my life. And so to see these two, and uh, they're like little kids, you know. Um, one of them was like one of them was like really chill, and um, she was just like you know like real little baby, but just like kind of keeping her mouth shut and then the older one was just like running around like a maniac the whole time I think he was just like real excited but like it's not I don't know the um they're they're growing up in Bendigo and like my uh my cousin's wife was like showing us pictures of you know like he's got this friend already and they like haven't even started school yet but they go and meet up and like do they ride bikes? I don't know if they ride bikes yet, whatever. But she was just saying, you know, like, oh, we love it in Bendigo and like it's it's a much more chill place to raise some kids than Melbourne and uh, the fact that he's got this kid already and like then they're friends with the family so that's like the adults are friends and the kids are friends and she showed us this photo of the two of them like standing next to each other in some fucking place. And I was like, oh my God, like that's the photo, you know, that's the photo that those two kids are going to have for the rest of their lives and be like, hey, check it out. We were friends, you know, when we were like, since we were born, they're just going to have that and they're going to show that at like their 21st birthdays. And I like got excited and said that to her and she was looking at me like, I know, right? It's really cool. Um also how wild to live in a town that I guess is so that predictability must be like a, a positive for some people like for me where, where I'm at in my life I'm like if I knew where I was going to be in 20 years time I would probably just fucking pop one in my head you know <laughs> fuck that 
because I don't want my life to be that planned out. But for them there, it's like there's still the the unknown parts of life, but having that security and knowing that you're going to be there and your kids are going to grow up there and that's going to be his friend and whatever, that's like a good thing for them. We just lead very different lives, don't we? Um, yeah, it was so fucking cool, man. They're, clear, they're just living the dream, really. This week I've just spent uh, catching up with people, catching up with people that I don't see very often. And that really is what Christmas is all about, isn't it? That and um, just ramming a bunch of chocolate down your fucking gob. And telling yourself it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's the Christmas season. Christmas for me starts in December. I've started smoking on weekends again. Yeah, it's Christmas. <laughs> Remember when they when they were leading Jesus to the cross and his all the disciples were handing him darts? They were just like walking next to him when he had the cross over his shoulder. And oh no, Christmas is when he was born. Do you remember when... <laughs> But that whole thing about when they were handing him darts when he was going to be crucified came from when he was born, all the wise men, the wise men rocked up and uh, they gave him the gifts of like incense, which is actually just an old, that's like an old Bible way of saying um, just like chop, chop tobacco that one of them grew in his, uh, in his shed out the back. And uh, you obviously had to hide it from the officials because you didn't want to get it taxed. But then he was like drying that out. And he, so he gave Jesus chop chop when he was born. And then the second wise man gave him uh, just a case of like uh, Dunhill Blues from Thailand that he bought. <laughs> and then the third wise man gave him um, like a whole, like a garbage bag just full of like loose filters. <laughs> <laughs> and like and like rolling papers and different kinds of rolling papers and stuff. Um, the third wise man was a bit of a piece of shit. It seemed like he just kind of scraped that out from under his couch and put it in a garbage bag and gave it to Jesus. But Jesus was a cool dude. Even as a baby, he was like, you know what, man? I appreciate that because even if I don't use these things, they're all in one place now. I appreciate that you've gathered them up and they're not just going to go in landfill. You know, we can we can make. He was a carpenter. He made some nice like sculptures out of them, cigarette butt sculptures. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I started smoking again. Oh, I, I actually fucking hate that, but I love it as well. I, um, yeah, I had a few darts the other day. I had my mate's 30th on Sunday, had a bit of a Sunday sesh, hanging out with the, the old crew. God, we wound back the clock, man. We were, like, just dancing around at my mate's place. Uh, one of our friends as a DJ was playing a set, like, just in the fucking, like, back little room of my friend's house. And there was, like, there must have been, like, 12 of us. There weren't even that many of us. And we just fucking, it was like it was 6 a.m. Red Square 2009 on a Saturday night. Dancing around. I had my shirt off. We were jumping, shuffling. I was shuffling in thongs. It's really just been a time. It's been a time to catch up with people that I haven't seen. Anyway, I'm not, I'll, I'll talk about that in a little bit. Back to my cousins. Um, my cousin and his kids were, one of them was running around. This is the thing. I just, it's just so overwhelmingly cute and nice and good 
to see a kid, like it's just the innocence of it. Like the attention seeking is like, he doesn't even know that he's being an attention seeking little fuck because he's a kid. So you just let him do it. He was just running around going, bum, bum, <laughs> bum, 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 and just like slamming his butt into people. <laughs> My auntie and uncle were there as well. So they're grandparents now and they hadn't seen these kids in like a year because of all the lockdowns that came over from Adelaide to Bendigo. And um, <laughs> the first thing that happens is their grandson's running around going, bum, bum. <laughs> But like he's, and and I guess <clears throat> it was kind of interesting to see how he's like, he's, he's a boy, but he also has not things that are like, all right, so like he at one point got up, it, it, he doesn't do things that, this isn't a feminine thing, but it is a thing that it's like, that's not like a manly thing, you know? I don't know, I guess what I'm trying to say is in a kid, the gender roles aren't so clearly defined as what we have them in our heads as adults, which is nice to see because there was a little, uh, like I guess a, a fucking chested toys or something and then there was a beanbag on top of it. So it's kind of like the beanbag is like positioned precariously on this little thing and he jumped from his dad's... Oh, sorry, sorry. He jumped from his dad's lap onto the beanbag and he just and no one was really doing everyone was kind of not paying attention to him and he jumped onto the top of it and he just went I'm a bird and this is my nest (laughs) it's like yeah man you're a fucking bird you are (laughs) god it was so nice it's so nice to be around kids and just have them be fucking around you know and being idiots it made me feel very happy and also the good thing about kids is that they take all the attention so there like there was no part of me that had any social anxiety even though i mean i haven't seen my cousin in like oh a year and a half maybe maybe a year a year and a half maybe two years something like that like ages and I haven't seen his wife since they got married. No, actually, no, whatever. It's been, it's been like a couple of years. Oh my God, I can't stop fucking yawning this morning. What the fuck is wrong with me? I haven't seen them in, in like a couple of years. And so we don't know each other that well. We don't have heaps to say to each other. We've got a bit. Me and my cousin get on. And then there was auntie and uncle and like, you know, I don't see them that often either. We don't have like raging conversations. We like each other and all of that. But it's not like we're going to sit around the table and talk till the small hours. So when I got there and my girlfriend's like meeting all these guys from my family, these people, I was like, oh, fuck, did we just like land ourselves in the shit a little bit? You know, like we're here and I'm like, great, I'm seeing my family. And then we kind of get there and I'm like, oh, we have to talk to them, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And it's like, I want to, but it's just hard. And after about 20 minutes, the kids just kind of relaxed and got to grips with what was happening. 
And then immediately it was just like, bum bum, <laughs> I'm a bird. <laughs> and it's like, oh, thank God, I don't have to talk to my family. We can just watch this kid fucking wind himself down. He had so much energy. His little sister was just chilling the whole time. She was just chilling. But, God, it's so interesting to see how like their emotions are so right out there as well. Because when I got there... He was like shy and he wouldn't look at me and he was just kind of like hiding behind his dad's leg, all shy. And then after we were there for like 20 minutes and he pepped up and then, you know, I was making fun of, he was eating ice cream and I was like, I'm going to steal your ice cream. And he was like, no, you're not. And he like went over and sat next to his dad and was like glaring at me going, you're not going to steal my ice cream. And I was like, I'm going to steal it, mate. I am. You don't know me. You don't know what I'm capable of. I can do anything. I'll steal your ice cream. I'll steal your ice cream. I'll steal your money. I'll steal all your pocket money as well, mate. Because I'm a fully grown man and you are a child. (laughs) Yeah, that was sick. So yeah, get if you're socially awkward, that's what I'd say. Get some kids and just take them around wherever you go. And uh, people will be paying more attention to that than your social awkwardness. Although to be fair, if you're socially awkward and you've just got some kids in tow... People will be paying attention to the kids, but more in a way of like, whose kids are these? Are they okay? Who's this guy? Why isn't he making eye contact with me? Why is he wearing a trench coat, etc., etc.? So, you know, just think about it. That's all I'm trying to say. All right. So, uh, went to my mate's 30th. Well, what did we went? We went from Bendigo <clears throat> and we went to Narrow Court. Oh, my God. We had the most amazing. Oh, darling. We just had. Simply the most amazing meal in Narracourt. You must, you must go. Um, not actually Narracourt. It's Panola, Panola, Panola. Panola. This town uh, in the Coonawarra wine country. Um, we had a meal at this joint called Pipers of Panola. Oh, darling. Oh, simply divine. Um. Yeah, I wanted to find, I knew we'd be able to find a place like that. It's just like, I just kind of had in my mind like a nice restaurant in the country, you know, because a lot of the joints in the country, like it's just like pub meals and stuff, which is fine. And it's good, it's good, honest food for good, honest people. But I wanted a good, honest food for someone from the city with a bit of disposable income. Or maybe he doesn't have disposable income, but has maybe tricked himself into thinking that he does because he's been in lockdown in Melbourne for the majority of this year and thought that he knew how to save, but actually he just wasn't doing anything. And so now he's spending all the money that he saved. Um, and that, you know what? They absolutely had a restaurant for that person and we went there. <laughs> it's called Pipers of Panola. If you're ever in the southeast of SA and you've got, what? how much was it? Uh, I reckon it was like 150 for the two of us. And my girlfriend had one wine, one, one vino. Was it that much? Maybe it wasn't even that much. I can't fucking remember. It was like a fair whack of cash, but it's not insane. It's like a reasonable amount. Um, and then on the, uh, the last day on the Saturday, we stopped in robe. Thank you, uh, to my boy, Sam for sending me that recommendation. What was the place called? I think it's called Robe Seafood Takeaway. Well, read the message. (laughs) Um, This is a very funny message. Sam said, uh, 
But 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 if you're going to robe on your way, then get calamari from Robe Seafood and Takeaway. As the name suggests, it sells seafood which you want, and then you can take it away too. <laughs> And you know what? It did everything that he said. And one more thing, it also was in robe, as the name suggests. So it's robe, because that's where it is. Seafood, because that's what they sell. And takeaway, because that's what you do. And it was all of those things. And no more. That was exactly it. And uh, maybe I was talking a few weeks ago about the calamari that we had. That we had the calamari that we put into our heads through the mouth hole. Um the calamari that we had on the way back from uh, Inverloch. I don't know if I spoke about it, but, you know, if I didn't then, well, I am now. Um, It was very, it was brown food. It was like grey food, you know. It wasn't grey, but you know when you get fish and chips and it's just completely batter, yellow, oily, and just, it was no good. And when we got that, I kind of went, ah, this is what, you know, calamari in the country is like, it's just all grey and, and, uh, I just put that in the, in the country box is what I did. And I'm sorry to country people listening. I know I did that to you. Um, I just wrote it off. I just went, I guess it's all in the country. It's all like that because that's the calamari that I remember from when I was growing up, when I was a kid, I remember it being the really crunchy, lots of batter. That's like what I imagine when I see it in my, in my mind's eye. But when we got to Robe, we had Robe seafood takeaway and we went down to the beach and we opened up the box and their calamari was like that. It was country style. It wasn't like what you get in Melbourne. What you, let me tell you about, about what you get in Melbourne, okay? For anyone who's not up on the fucking culinary treats of the capital. God, I'm just, I, I know that living in Melbourne turns me into the biggest wanker. I fucking love Melbourne so much. Um... It's different though, because it's like, it's, you don't get the crust around it. It's just like the thing of calamari dipped in a few breadcrumbs and then I don't know how they cook it, but it's like, it's just lightly breaded. It's not like got a whole crust around it. And when we got to, and then like from compare that to, you know, the stuff that I remember from when I was a kid, when we got to robe, it had the crust on it still. So it wasn't just breaded. It, it was like a crust, but the crust had like different spices and stuff in it. It was tasty. It wasn't too thick. It, there wasn't like a huge pocket of air in between the crust and the actual calamari. It hugged it nicely and it was just fantastic. All credit. All credit to Sam for sending us there. Thanks, mate. Um, yeah, it was a fantastic experience. We sat on the beach at Robe. I've never really been to Robe, I don't think. As a kid, maybe, but I, I spoke at the start of the year about my family having owned that Karata house in Robe, and it's near where my grandparents used to have the farm, and we spent a lot of time as kids, but I just don't really remember going down to Robe, and then, like, going down there, it's a beautiful place. I mean, the southeast, the limestone coast, it is a beautiful, a beautiful part of the world, beautiful part of the world, beautiful people. Beautiful sights, sounds, tastes, smells. The wind is beautiful. I always remember the the Coorong area, which Robe is kind of at the southern tip of. Um, well, maybe it's not quite a bit further, but the Coorong, which is the southeast, that's the like coast that you kind of drive along to get down towards 
Robe and Kingston and Narracourt and shit. When I was a kid growing up, the Kurong used to always smell like fucking... Oh my god! Why can't I stop yelling? Yelling? Yawning. The Kurong used to smell like shit. Every time we would go down there, we would wind up the car windows when we got to the Kurong. When we got to Meningi at the start of the Kurong, it'd be like wind up the car windows because it just smelled like rotting fish. And I did a little bit of reading because I thought maybe when we drive along the Kurong, it's going to smell bad as well. And what I found, which is quite harrowing, is that um, the Kurong used to be this really unique habitat. And then in the mid-2000s, which would have been from when I was like forming those memories when I was a kid, a lot of the wildlife there died because the complexion of the ecosystem changed and something to do with more shrimp and less fish and all these fish fucking died in like the mid-2000s and some of the researchers who had spent a lot of time there were saying it's probably never going to be the same. And it didn't smell when we drove along it, so that makes me think that when I was a kid driving along there, that what we were smelling was the death of an ecosystem. <laughs> Fuck. But anyway, Robe was awesome. We went past Karata House, saw the house that my family used to own. God damn it. It's so big and it's right on the edge of the like cliff. It's in this amazing spot and just fuck, you know. What could have been? Um, we went for a swim, swam out to the pontoon after our fish and chips, had a coffee. Robe was a success. Driving up the Kurong was a success. Got into Adelaide, had, uh, had dinner. With uh, with my mum and her partner and my brother and me and my girlfriend. And that was a success. And it's all going great. And then yesterday I saw, yeah, my mate who turned 30 and a bunch of the people that I used to go out and dance with. And we fucking danced like we were in a nightclub when we were 18. And that was sick. And then yesterday I went and saw my piano teacher. I'm just having a very lovely time. My piano teacher from when I was, yeah, whatever. Obviously, the Sydney fucking breakouts are a, are a thing. It's a little worrying. I can't. I don't know. I just can't help but feel like it's going to be fine. This is a, a very self-aggrandizing thing to say, but I think I have some level of like even maybe unfounded optimism just kind of baked into me because at every step, maybe all the way through the pandemic as well, I was just going, you know what? I reckon it's going to be fine. I reckon we're not going to go into lockdown, and then we did. And I was like, well, I reckon we're going to come out of lockdown pretty soon, and then we didn't. <laughs> and then after a while of that lockdown, suddenly I would fucking snap. <laughs> um, yeah, I, d- I don't feel like we're going back into lockdown, man. I just also, my friend keeps saying, if we go back into lockdown, she might just go home to the UK, and I just don't want her to go home. So I'm like... Nah, we're not going in a lockdown. Don't worry about it. We're not that. I know that's your plan, but you know what? We're just, we're not going in a lockdown, so I wouldn't worry about it. It's not something they have to consider. <laughs> I keep. I'm feeling like the vaccine's going to be out pretty fucking soon. I reckon they've already started it in the UK and the US. We're gonna have the fucking regulatory whatever. It's gonna be done here. And I genuinely believe that I'm going to the Edinburgh Fringe in August this year. That's what I believe. That's what I think. I would just be really fucking pissed if this if this outbreak spreads because I've already now booked my fucking flights to Perth. And I don't want to have to... Yeah, whatever. Anyway, I don't know. It feels like now with this new outbreak, the future is again... Just as I was starting to feel 
like, oh, all right, all right, we've got our feet on solid ground. And then this is like, okay, maybe the future is again uncertain. And I just don't want to go through that again, you know? Felt like a year, the year, it's almost done. And I just want a fresh start. But here's the thing, actually, I've seen people saying on social media and shit like, this is just 2020 being 2020 until the very last. And it's like, that's a very handy thing to tell yourself, isn't it? Like, it's just 2020 being 2020. And once we get to 2021, it's going to be fine. Like as if the virus is just going to get to New Year's and go, and I will fucking leave. I don't know. I don't know. What else? What else was I going to talk about? Um, oh, fucking, I was reading, speaking of self-aggrandizing, I was reading uh, this book. I was excited to read this book. It was kind of staring at me. I think it was because it had a similar jacket to, I read another book uh, towards the start of the year that I think I spoke about on the podcast called uh, Sincerity. And it was all about the philosophical concept of sincerity. And I was very, it was just a great book. I loved it. And it had a white cover with just the word sincerity and the definition. And it was great. And then I got this book called Minimalism. And it had a white cover and it was just the word minimum. And I just, it made me feel like, oh, this is going to be a similar thing to sincerity. It's going to be about minimalism and the concept of minimalism. And um, it's been staring at me from the bookshelf for a while. I've been kind of saving it, you know, and it's like, I just wanted to read it. I just wanted to read it. (laughs) And so I put it in my bag to come here. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to read that. And I go, and I got some time yesterday. I was walking to my piano teacher's house up in the hills to go and to go and say hello to her. Hello. And I'm like, crack it open. I'm, I'll start reading. I lost my headphones is why I cracked it open, which I'm fucking furious about. But I still hold out hope that I'm going to find them somewhere. So I crack this book open and I start reading it. And I'm thinking, yeah, it's like, because I fuck with minimalism. I think minimalism's sick. Have less stuff. Have more space in your life for new things. And I feel like I have a bit of a handle on the idea of what it is, but I want someone to kind of explain it more to me. And weirdly, I think what they do in the book is kind of what I want out of a book. But it just, what it seemed like, it's these two guys. And I realized as soon as I started reading it, I looked at the front cover again and there's no author. It's just the author is listed as The Minimalists. And so I'm like, oh, that's a fucking red flag that these guys have like a little club, like a name for themselves, you know. And I start reading and it's like these two guys and their best friends. They were kids, they were best friends. And then they went away and started their high-flying corporate careers and they were really good and they were earning six figures. They keep coming back to the fact of how much money they were earning and that they kind of made this pact when they were in high school that they were going to earn six figures or no they were going to earn 50 grand if they were just happy they had troubled childhoods and if they could just earn 50 grand a year then they would be happy and then they kept revising the figure and then they were earning six figures and they still weren't happy so they decided to enter on this journey of minimalism and then just forgo their worldly possessions and Uh, what it seems like they're doing is they're using the idea of minimalism as a Trojan horse to sneak in their fucking little 
memoir autobiographies and their own little fucking thoughts. And I'm just like, I don't want to hear. I didn't buy a book about your fucking life, mate. I bought a book about minimalism and the whole first chapter is just like, me and Johnny spent our formative years in the... Fuck you. I don't fucking care. Maybe if you care a bit about who we are, then you'll have more... You you care more about minimalism. It's like, I just want to fucking read about minimalism. And this first chapter has really put me off. And I'm annoyed because I still think I'm going to read a bit more to see if they start talking about minimalism. But I fucking hate them already. They, they, they write in this collective voice in the, the, um, in the first person plural. We. We went and we started thinking about and we did and we that and and then when they refer to each other in the singular form it's both in the third person so they've like created a new person which is we to narrate the book like I was thinking about that the linguistic style of the book because in in fiction you talk about Sometimes you have a, an unreliable narrator, meaning like the, the person who, the voice in which the author is writing the book might be describing events unreliably and that's a literary device that you can use to a, achieve certain things in a novel. And this is like, I mean, I guess it's a non-fiction, it's like a self-help book, but it's still in a way it functions as a novel. And the voice that they're writing in is we, which is a per- as a person doesn't exist. So they've just like fabricated this person that is the two of them that then talks about the singularness of them in the third person. But this third person doesn't exist. The other person that they've created that they, that they speak in, it doesn't exist. And it's all really fucking creepy. And the fact that they're talking about their lives, giving you their whole you know, biography, it seems very culty. It seems like they're trying to establish themselves as these personalities and they're providing all... In Here's a fucking thing that I really grabbed onto is they keep talking about how bad it is, how, oh, they were so lost because they were just worshipping money and, and, you know, the money didn't bring them happiness. But they're still offering up the fact that they both earned six figures as some sort of proof, like a social proof, like... Look, we're smart guys. We were able to. They, they they speak about it like, oh, it's so awful. We were we were 19 years old and we were earning six figures in a year, and it was just you know we tried to buy happiness with our money, and it was so terrible. But the subtext of that whole thing is like we're pretty fucking smart guys, all right? Because we were both able to earn six figures when we were 19 years old and we've written this book and it's published and it's got a nice cover and we've called we're called the minimalists and we write in this weird voice and you should listen to us because we're smart guys i don't fucking appreciate being told what to do and when i pick up a book called minimalism by the minimalists i don't want to hear about two fucking smarmy ass little rich kids working in the corporate sphere and then writing a book with their money fuck off (laughs) anyway so that's what i think about that it's not lost on me that that is exactly what i do when i do stand up i start stand up and i if i'm emceeing i'll go i'll tell you a little bit about myself which is basically what these guys are doing here they're going hey we'll just tell you guys a little bit about us they're sneaking in them i'm going hey you guys have come to comedy let me tell you about me and who i am first because you want to know that that people don't care they just want to see comedy 
but as it happens, that's how I do comedy. They're going, hey, we're going to tell you about minimalism. Let's just tell you a little bit about us. They're doing the same thing as me, and I can see what they're doing, and I fucking hate it. <sighs> I think that's the podcast for this week. Have I got anything else I want to say? Nah. If you're in Australia, listen listen your fucking ass to um, How to Make Gravy by... Um, by fucking Paul Kelly. I mean, you know it. If you're in Australia, you know the song. You're probably already listening to it. It's Christmas. Happy holidays, everyone. Happy Christmas. And I'll speak to you next year. It was Merry Christmas, isn't it? Happy Merry. You know what? Felice Navigo, go fuck yourself. I'm Aiden Jones, <laughs> sitting under a tree. Peace.